get offline, shut off your phone, put it on airplane mode, go for a walk, get out a pen and paper and just be in your thoughts. Don't, don't listen or look to what everyone else is doing or what works for them or what their active ingredient is. Take a moment in your own thoughts, find out what truly is your passion has always been your passion before long before digital marketing and online. And this is for any career. It's not just in digital marketing, but I think we all have to do it in our own unique way. And that only comes from listening to our thoughts and slowing down a little bit. Hello. Thank you so much for tuning into the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person who truly loves all things personal growth. The goal of this podcast is to discuss topics via guest interviews and solo episodes that will help us to uncover our own light, or what I like to call our active ingredient, that will ultimately lead us to living our truest, most authentic expression on this earth. And remember, we all have the ingredient within us. All we need to do is activate it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. I hope that you're having a fabulous start to your week. And I am recording this intro on Monday, so it's the day before this episode drops. And yesterday I had my second long run in the half marathon training. And I'm really excited to share that I actually really enjoyed this one. And I can't believe that that's the case considering this is the longest I've ever run. And what I've felt like, you know, after a three mile run previously, it's just, it really goes to show that if you put the steps and like the systems in place to do things the right way and give yourself enough time, it actually works. And I did say that every episode now I'm going to be giving just like a quick little intro on how my training is going. If you want to hear more about why I'm doing this half marathon and just my overall journey with running, I did a solo episode that was live last week if you want to go check it out. And... For those of you who did hear my solo, I thought you'd find it funny that I actually did not have to bring out the big guns of my why during this run. And at the end, I actually had more in the tank and I was like, what is going on? Like I was supposed to hit five miles, which is what was my training plan. I ended up doing five and a half miles and I had way more in the tank and I just couldn't really believe that that was the case. And yeah, I didn't have to bring my big guns of my whys out to get me through, which is really interesting. My feet did fall asleep, but my left foot fell asleep first and then my right, and then they both stopped, like they both came back to life, which literally never happens. Um, But yeah, all is well in the half marathon training world. So just wanted to give you guys a quick update there. So this week, I am so excited to be sharing an interview I did with my friend and incredibly talented marketer, Julianne Frazier. Julianne is the founder of influencer marketing agency Dialogue New York that specializes in getting brands in front of consumers by way of influencers, whether that be traditional influencers, tastemakers, activists, chefs, the list is long. Julianne started out in the influencer marketing world working for Morgan's Hotel Group, which is a really small world because they were actually one of my first clients in the PR space. And she spearheaded one of the first ever industry hotel influencer marketing campaigns back in 2013 with creators like Kiara Fergani, Olivia Lopez, Chriselle Lim, and Shay Marie at the very beginning of the influencer renaissance. I don't know if you guys remember what 2013 was like, but it's definitely different than what it is today. Fast forward to 2017, Julianne launched her own consultancy where her role is to come up with strategic, creative, and dialogue-provoking campaigns between brands and influencers, which ultimately extends the conversation to all of us. On this episode, we get into the wild road of influencer marketing from 2013 to what it is today and how it's evolved, the importance of getting offline in order to create thoughtfully and how she does it. I also did an episode on this topic. creating a life that is in alignment with your own needs, managing and scaling a global team, her experience working with a business coach for one year, and why a recent non-work-related program changed her life and her business. So with that, welcome Julianne to the show. And before we get started, I really want to take one second to ask you guys to please give the podcast five stars. It would really, really mean a lot to me. I know that a lot of podcasters ask for this, but I want you to understand why. The second that someone gives it a five star, something happens within the algorithm that brings the podcast up to more like-minded listeners. 
I've noticed it happen whenever I get a new rating, my numbers go up. So I would really, really appreciate if you can give it a five star. It would mean the world. So with all that, Julianne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a very long time coming and I'm so pumped to have you. Where are you calling in from? I am calling in from Paris, that home or one of my homes and feels very nice to be settled. And it feels like back to school in in the full time, like just the weather's changing and everything's kind of falling into place. So it feels good. Set the tone for us. Cause I, you know, I think, well, I know actually that our listeners are mainly based in New York and Miami. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that we have a lot of like Paris dreamers listening. So why don't you like set the tone for us? Like what was the vibe this morning? Did you go to a coffee shop? Like (laughs) hit us with like, hit us with a vibe. Oh yeah. Um, geez. Well, today is an absolutely gorgeous, sunny, perfect fall day. Yesterday was the complete opposite. So I can't pretend to say that Paris is always, uh, like the perfect weather, but no, it's, it's beautiful. And I woke up this morning, um, started my day at seven 30 with my business coach. Um, and I do, uh, an hour, half, an hour and a half session with him, um, every Thursday. And, feel like I, I'm a morning person. So I absolutely love chatting with him first thing. And it just sets the tone of my entire day. So after that discussion with him, um, I blocked off a couple hours and felt productive and started my day off with a bang and then, um, was able to take a couple hours to, um, go to a coffee shop and enjoy the sunshine and read some of my favorite magazines. Um, and I have a full afternoon ahead of meetings, but it's a nice balance. I, I feel like, it's, you know, Paris is one of those places that you, everybody appreciates like the work-life balance and there's an opportunity to kind of enjoy both sides of things here. So. And we're going to get into how you manage because your team is primarily based in the States, right? Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And your clients. So we're going to definitely get into like the logistics of how you, you know, manage your time, manage being on different um, time zones, et cetera. But before I do that, I want to get into what you were like as a kid that you remember, which is how I kick off every podcast. Um, Any qualities that you remember or anything that your family says that you were like as a kid? And do you find that those qualities are translating into your day-to-day life now? Yeah. I mean, I love this question. Um, it's funny thinking back on it. Um, I was always, uh, a really curious and social person. Um, funny enough, my dad taught me how to network at like seven years old. I remember going to like holiday parties with him and he would teach me like how to hold a drink and a cocktail napkin and how to start conversations with people and like the way to, you know, kickstart conversations and um, just build connections. So I was always really um, comfortable meeting new people, entering big, big rooms of different personalities um, and finding sort of the uniqueness of of different personalities and connections. So I I think that really still resonates, especially in my my role now as a consultant, because I absolutely love... uh, um, connecting with new business opportunities, kind of reading the, the personalities in the room, reading the dynamics of the team, um, and really positioning and pivoting myself and my team to work best with each client. Because as you know, every client's different and mm-hmm. we can't just take a one size fits all model. So um, I think that was always something that really um, resonated with me and really um, interested me. And it, it's come, you know, to, to serve me well when it comes to my business certainly nowadays. Totally. I have to ask, what were the tips that your dad gave you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so like how funny. do you strike I conversation mean, as like a little child? <laughs> yeah. A little kid is so funny. And I it's literally, I still use these tricks today. So he, he was right. But, um, something's tactical as how to hold like your, your drink and your food in your left hand. And there's sort of like a trick to, to hold both so that your right hand is always open to handshake and to oh meet my people. God, that's a good one. Some, yeah. Something simple so that you're not like, you know, have awkward. your hands full and <laughs> you can't awkward. Exactly. Um, that this is a, you know, well-known 
fact that everybody likes to talk about themselves. So little seven-year-old me would like walk up to someone and just ask them about themselves, their families, their passions, their travels. Um, and I still do that today. I think like you can crack just about anyone by um, asking some simple, relatable questions um, and allowing them to kind of speak about themselves, which everyone feels comfortable doing for the most part. So um, that was an interesting trick. And also, I think he taught me the art of a handwritten thank you note, which I still do. Um, and it's so funny that I was doing this as like a little kid, but that even though we're in this digital world and emails and DMs are important, um, after meeting someone important uh, in my life or someone that's touched me or moved me, um, I always like to write either like a postcard from where I'm traveling or um, a handwritten thank you note. And I think people just absolutely love getting that in the mail and it feels really special. So. Do you still do that till this day? For sure. Of course. Oh my God. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. I love that. That's actually super, super powerful. And what you touched on that people like to talk about themselves is one of the most powerful things to unlock for yourself. I talk about it on this podcast a lot that like a lot of things that stop people from doing it is that they have like, this fear of what other people think about them. But it's like really? people only think about themselves. They only want to really talk about yeah. themselves anyway. So like you might as well just do whatever you want. But that's a really good unlock for anyone that's like going into a networking scenario. It's like just ask them about their lives, you know? Oh, totally. Because it's very awkward to walk into a room of strangers and you don't know anyone and it's like cringeworthy. But if you ask one question, nine times out of 10, it just breaks the ice. Totally. Um, and you can anticipate your postcard coming in the mail because I send them like monthly to everyone. Oh so, my God. Um, where is it from? I feel like you've been all over Europe. So I'm curious, where is it coming from? <laughs> Time will tell. You'll find out. But no, right. every place that I've been this summer, I pick up like the cheesiest postcards and I, I just send them to random people. Oh my God. I love that. What a cool <laughs> quality, especially coming from you, who's like such like an influencer marketing pro. You're so digitally connected. That's such a cool <laughs> thing about you that you like stick to an analog you know, a handwritten thing. Yeah. Also, I love it. Um, okay. So you actually studied fashion. Um, Mm -hmm. how did you first identify your love of fashion and why did you go down that path? What did you think that your career was going to look like? And then walk us through like your first kind of foray into influencer marketing. Yeah. Um, that's such a good question because I did, I went to FIT in New York after my um, business degree in, in Canada. Um, and what's so funny to think about is the reason why I fell in love with fashion in the first place were, um, blogs and influencers. Wait, set the tone. Who were the blogs at the time? We're it the same age, by the way, so I'm really excited yeah. to hear. <laughs> it was sartorialist. It was, um, uh, man repeller. I used man to repeller. love like full in-depth, um, editorials. Um, oh, and I'm forgetting, I'm sure Garen's story with, with sartorialists, like the OG bloggers in the fashion space. Um, I remember, yeah, Brooklyn Blonde, I think back in the day I was, I'd read all of these, um, blogs and just felt inspired. Uh, style was always something that I really enjoyed. And going to FIT, I thought, okay, my career is in fashion. I'm going to work in fashion in New York City. And um, in my last semester, I was in a guest lecture with um, a guy named Scott Lux, who became a a great mentor and um, teacher of mine. Uh, He was the VP of digital marketing at Morgan's Hotel Group, which is now Ian Schrager Hotels, um, and spoke to our class just about these epic, iconic brands, you know, Delano in Miami and Hudson Hotel and Mondrian. um, And I was mesmerized by these hotel brands. And he happened to be hiring uh, an entry-level social media coordinator role, which this is right around the time Instagram launched. Who knew what social media coordinator even meant? Uh, and yeah, I jumped into hospitality straight off the bat and kind of my, just... my question here, like with the jump to hospitality is like, were you, were you like, wait with FIT, I have this type of vision and then this guy inspired you more. And so you went that direction. Did you like ever think like, Oh wait, like I actually got a degree in this. Like I should explore something a little bit more aligned with that. Or did that thought ever ne- never cross your mind? No, you know, it's funny. I, I had a, a, a marketing degree, a four-year a business degree prior to FIT. And so I think first and foremost, I've always been crazy passionate about marketing, like obsessed with marketing um, from a really early age. And going to FIT, I had a love for fashion and it was kind of the cherry on top of specializing in in fashion marketing. 
Um, but I think what I realized is, and it's true today with the diversity of the clients that we work with, I just love working with brands that inspire me and it can mm-hmm. be a food brand, a fitness, health, wellness brand, a fashion brand, a beauty brand, um, so many different angles, hotels, uh, were some of the most inspiring clients we worked with because they're such an amazing experience. Um, so yeah, I think I wasn't too concerned about going, you know, steering off course a little bit. Um, and it served me well. I think I learned a lot working with these iconic hotels that, um, ended up paying off and I did enter fashion and, and worked at Lacoste afterwards. So And I joined, um, at the time, a a startup accelerator that specialized in growing Series A, Series B startups um, in the, you know, same categories, health, wellness, fashion, beauty space. Um, But working with hardly any budgets, um, with brand new brands, and really um, being able to test and learn and try strategies out from scratch rather than having to go up the ladder and having approvals, you know. So was this, this was the agency? Yes. Yeah. Village marketing was where I moved. Got it. Um, before we get into more of like the nitty gritty influencer marketing stuff, can you just give us like a bird's eye view? What is influencer marketing? What, like for someone listening that has absolutely no idea what that Mm -hmm. looks like, um, what is it? What can a founder listening expect from influencer marketing? Um, yeah, give us like, give us like the high level. It's a great question. So funny. I never get asked that. So it's going (laughs) straight to like the base. Uh, in my mind, influencer marketing has existed since the start of time. It is the essence of word of mouth marketing, uh, the way that celebrities and magazines used to hold great influence over the consumer um, or word of mouth within a community. All of this has always existed. The platforms and the mediums have just changed. So the with the emergence of social media, creatives on the platform started to build momentum, grow followings grow communities really highly engaged and started to form influence um, that has continuously kind of mounted over time. And the essence of influence marketing is from a brand marketer's perspective, thinking how we can build authentic and genuine relationships with creatives that represent the brand's values and bring to life campaigns that really resonate um, and really help with brand awareness with content creation, with social growth, with conversion and uh, revenue goals. Um, There's so many different aspects to what influence marketing supports, but at its core, it's really a foundational relationship game. um, And it's, you know, building uh, connections and genuine relationships with individuals that love your product. And from there, figuring out ways that they can kind of speak on behalf of your brand. It's so true that it's been around since the beginning of time. Like this is like, it's, that's, that is what it is. But what hasn't been the case is having like a democratized platform or platforms now um, that gives so many more people the opportunity to be in that space. Um, How do you think that that kind of like virality approach or like the fact that pretty much anyone can get on TikTok and, you know, or not anyone, but like a lot of people can get on TikTok and become, you know, virally (laughs) famous, like. How, how do you think about that in comparison to like what the core of influencer marketing is? Like, is that something that you think about or like, is it like a a better approach to have more out there or is it better to have like a, you know, small amount of quality people that really Mm -hmm. represent a brand? Well, I think there's two components to that question. I think first and foremost, the influencer space has just ballooned immensely in the past few years. And um, you're right. Anyone can create a, a, a account. Is it easy to grow organically? No, that's not the case. There's a lot of skill and um, thought that goes into building a, a platform that has influence, but certainly anyone can try, anyone can sign up. So it is mm-hmm. very democratized in that sense. Um, but what has come as a result of that is a ton of copycats, quite a bit of fraud involved in the sense that you can purchase followers, you can purchase engagement, um, and there's a lot of ways to cut corners to have sort of instant Instagram fame nowadays. So um, it is kind of watered down the impact that influencers have because at its core, in my mind, a true influencer can come in many, many, many different uh, types and 
um, approaches. It's just an individual with a, a creative or unique point of view that inspires others. So mm-hmm. some of our most impactful influencers have 2000 followers and they have offline influence or um, someone might be an expert and have amassed uh, you know, a great following because of their expertise. Others might have an exceptional um, aesthetic and a way of viewing travel or the world around them that inspires. So it's really, there's no sort of form as to what defines um, a good or bad influencer. It's just the authenticity of truly inspiring people. And that can't be bought or faked. You can't really fake your way into it. So your agency dialogue has represented some of the best influencer campaigns that, you know, anyone has seen anyone from seed Sakara life, Brooklyn and Shiseido. Like you've had some of these massive, massive brands. I'm curious to know with all of these campaigns that you've done, what is like the thing that gets you the most excited with the work? Like, is it being in communication with the founders? Is it starting from absolute scratch? Like, do you like coming in when the brand is already known or do you like getting the brand known? Um, I think day one in starting dialogue four years ago, um, the thing that made me most excited then is still exactly the same today. And I really nerd out and absolutely love getting in a room with a founder or a head of brand or whoever the client might be. And it can be, like you mentioned, we've worked with huge corporations and we've worked with very, very early stage startups. But we do an upfront audit where we really assess the core of the brand and its values and its mission and the product and its differentiation and all of these aspects. We do a super in-depth audit. And then from there, we come back with a strategy and every single strategy is different. We don't have a cookie cutter approach. Uh, What we did for Sakara Life for nearly three years was very different from, you know, what we do with Babylon to the Moon or Brooklinen. It's unique to the brand, um, the phase that it's in and the service that it offers um, or the product. So I think I, that was always the reason for me starting dialogue because I absolutely love getting in a room and just feeling inspired and coming up with something that the client might not have yet thought of or um, developing a strategy that really helps and supports their greater marketing plan. Um, and still to this day, it's, it's what keeps me going. I absolutely love that aspect of it. I love it. So like the strategy, creative, uh, inception of campaign work yes. is your favorite part of the whole thing. I love it. Favorite part. So sure. when did you identify that that was it? And did you figure that out while you were at village marketing? Yeah. I mean, um, village marketing was an exceptional opportunity for me to learn, um, and grow. And I think it really helped me kind of fine-tune, learn a lot about consulting in general, but fine-tune sort of my expertise that I had built over the last, you know, several years in in various roles in digital. And I think I I was at a point where I was seeing this world of what I call the wild, wild west of influence marketing, so many varying approaches to it. And I saw an opportunity to create sort of an approach of my own that um, I felt really was unique within the industry and necessary from my experience. And I thought, okay, well, I can go in-house and build this within uh, a significant agency that doesn't have the expertise, or I can develop it on my own. Um, And it was just sort of a gut intuition to take the leap of faith and start something on my own. It wasn't planned and certainly did never think I would, would do this. So you never thought that you would work for yourself? No, I, I, no, I didn't really, um, no, I never thought I would, to be honest. It came from, um, some incredible friends and mentors that just sort of acted as a mirror to me and were like, Julianne, come on, of course, like you need to do this. Um, so it wasn't really my realization. It was the people around me that pushed me to, to kind of try it. So I want you to like, get really clear on like what exactly was happening at the time and like how you prepared to be able to do it and what kind of things you wish that you would have known before having gone out on your own, just for someone listening that may feel kind of that itch, or maybe they do have friends and family that are the mirror to them right now. And they're just like in this weird limbo phase and don't know what the next step is. Um, what was it like for you? And then what tips and advice would you give to someone who's in that spot? So 
So good. Uh, I think the greatest piece of advice I can give is like, go easy on yourself. As a marketer, creating a marketing agency, you can imagine the expectations I had on myself. And at the end of the day, uh, I waited a year to launch our website. I waited a year to launch our social strategy. I really started dialogue with one PDF deck and an email address, <laughs> like a Squarespace email address. And I really focused on leaning into my network. So thanks dad, that paid off well because I needed that network to get started. That left, the left-hand drink really, <laughs> really paid off. But um, no, it hundred percent came down to uh, my network and people that believed in me. My old boss at um, Lacoste was then at the time, the VP of marketing at Shiseido and specifically Clay de Poe Beauty. And um, she gave me a chance when I had no business, no credentials. She just believed in me. And that was my first client. So, so did you, really, did you leave without a client and then you got a client or did you have a client like, like in the I works had, and then I had like three clients lined up. So I was lined starting. Up. Okay. Yeah. I was starting off with a little bit of stability and, and then savings uh, wise, like what, what did that look like? Luckily, I mean, I think there's a big difference between starting a consultancy and starting um, a like D2C brand Mm -hmm. Um, because with the consultancy and with these clients lined up, the way I set up my contracts, I had, you know, six months or four months of stable income and a little bit of a cushion to make it work. So I always had the fire under my butt to continue with new business and continue to grow it. It wasn't going to be stable forever, but I think it's very different than when you fundraise and you have to start from scratch. And um, whereas when you start a consultancy, you can kind of keep your, your costs very low, your overhead. It was just me (laughs) working at home. Um, And, and I had a little bit of stability with those contracts in place. So, um, but really it was relying on the network. It was, um, focusing in the first year on my, uh, quality of work. Really. It was focusing on doing an amazing job for the clients that I locked, ensuring that the relationships were strong. And I slowly watched the referrals just start to flow and people, um, recommending and making introductions. And it was really, really, um, organic, but it wasn't because I had a shiny website and it wasn't because I had a perfect brand. Um, it was because people believed in me and made the introduction. So I think my biggest piece of advice is try not to focus so much on the kind of the box around the product, but just focus on the core of what you offer and make sure it's incredible and valuable and that will sell itself. You know, I love it. And I'm really curious because you, again, are in a very digitally heavy space and you are one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to setting some boundaries and like really, you know, having some sort of semblance of when to be plugged in and into that space and not, and you and I've had many conversations about the fact that like none of our thoughts are our own anymore. Every single thing that we're seeing, we're influenced literally 24 seven. Um, and I feel like it would be the most valuable to hear from you directly how you, an influencer marketer who has to be so plugged into the space, there's no mm-hmm. one that has a bigger crutch to be able to lean on if that's what you want to do than you. Mm-hmm. So I, I want you to tell all of our listeners how you create that balance for yourself, what tips you found to be helpful, and just your overall perspective on like, if you're in a digitally heavy place, the importance of being not on your phone. Yeah. I mean, I think this is something that I'm realizing more and more as we're all becoming very addicted to social media and our phones. Um, And we've talked about this, exactly that, how, you know, at its core, you and I are strategic marketers, publicists, the core of what we offer is creativity. And how can we find creativity and unique ideas in the, you know, constraints of Instagram or a platform where we're seeing, thanks to the algorithm over and over, the same, you know, recipes, the same decor, the same fashion, the same beauty. Um, And so as a creative marketer first, beyond a digital strategist, I really, really protect my ability to get offline and to find inspiration elsewhere. And just setting that intention 
um, I've seen in the last year how my work has really evolved by, um, you know, meeting florists in Paris and seeing how they craft their art or going to a bed and breakfast and speaking to the owner and understanding the, you know, experience that she's created that's unique or um, discovering elements of nature that I had never seen before. All of this has sparked my creativity and has made me a better um, marketer. But also I think we can't see social media as good or bad. I, I think it is what it is. It's part of our life. It's here to stay. And, and we all, to a certain degree, are addicted to it. And I would say I'm the first. And I think it's just a matter of um, being kind to ourselves and knowing that we're not perfect. And, you know, as much as we want to be able to have very firm boundaries, oftentimes those lines blur, but um, being just conscious of it. And I learned a lot about this from my friend Lars, who's the founder of Half the Story. Um, she talks about conscious scrolling and, and knowing that when you are, you know, heading on Instagram, it's to connect with friends or to, to understand what trends are taking place or to keep an eye on what creatives are doing what. And it's a very um, conscious and intentional scroll rather than um, what I can be guilty of is, you know, being in my bed at midnight, scrolling aimlessly, checking emails, mounting stress. That's really unhealthy and, and not necessary. So um, I think I try simple things like, you know, trying not to, well, get, getting my phone out of my bedroom at night, 30 minutes before bed so that um, I'm not plugged in before my sleep. Um, same with in the morning, waiting 15 minutes to have a cup of coffee and waking up before the anxiety of the emails <laughs> come in. Um, and also on, on weekends, like not berating myself for spending time scrolling and, uh, you know, exploring, but just knowing that I'm doing it with purpose and not aimlessly. So, yeah, I feel like as someone who's also in the space, I really struggle. And like, I actually did a whole solo episode on my thoughts on it because I too feel like kind of, I I've used it as a crutch myself being like, well, I have to be on, I have mm -hmm. to know, I have to be plugged in. I have to know what is happening because that's how I'm going to be on top of it for my clients. And it's like, to a certain extent that is true, but I use that too much to be on the phone because I actually am just addicted. Right. Yes. So yes. trying to figure out what that balance is, is something that I'm still trying to figure out. And like, mm -hmm. how much do we actually need to lean on social media to grow a business is something mm -hmm. that I am also just trying to explore personally, but for my clients as well. Um, and I just, I don't think that we are all aware of just how asleep we all are. And like, it definitely mm -hmm. translates in campaigns, like literally cookie cutter, same. I mean, you, I'm sure yeah. see this with, you know, competing brands to your clients, but, um, it's so true. Like literally every single thing that we're seeing the same face, we're seeing the same houses, we're seeing the same, everything, like every single thing is the same and how boring. And I, 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 I also did a previous episode this, this year on feeling burnt out. And I think that it's all intertwined. Like, I think it's just like a lot sure. of the sameness, the fact that we haven't really been able to, I mean, thank God I've been able to like leave a little bit, but like, you know, a lot of the sameness, seeing the sameness. And it's just, I think it's just like really messing with our brains. Um, sure. and I haven't really cracked the code on being able to like have a, you know, healthy. Yeah, I mean, I'm having a healthier and healthier relationship to it, but it still doesn't, every time I'm on Instagram, I have like a pit in my stomach. Like that's the honest okay. truth. Yeah. You know? and oh God. I totally can relate to that. And, and the comparing to others. It's and the comparison should, for me. Yeah. Comparison is tough or assuming you quote unquote should do something. Um, you don't have to do anything. And I learned this from my business coach. Like, he's like, where are you getting this notion that I have to do X, Y, and Z because someone else is doing it. If you want to do it and that brings you joy, great. Um, but I completely relate to that. Everyone I think does. Um, I think it would be a lie to say that, uh, you know, anyone in any corner of the world isn't comparing themselves when they're on social media. And I think, you know, specifically for our industries, it's our role as leaders of our teams to really allow space for that offline creativity. So as much as I really lean on my team who are very plugged into new platforms like TikTok and they're, you know, really on top of trends and that's incredibly valuable um, of knowing the right, you know, movers and shakers in the industry, the emerging influencers, the trends on platforms, 
that's hugely valuable to our clients, but also like we have a book club <laughs> that we're reading like analog books together about creative marketing. And we're trying to, and we're, we're, we're doing um, masterclass where we're all watching different aspects of masterclass or we have Friday team brainstorms where we completely shut down our emails and we all just concept and create together for an hour, um, which I feel so lucky I'm able to do remote um, and through Zoom, actually. Um, it's even better once we can be all together in person. But I think that it's sort of our role as marketers and as team leaders to ensure that we're creating a space where our team members can get offline and it's okay to be offline um, and give them the space to, to create as well. So yeah. I mean, in the short time that I feel like I've had a better handle on it, my creativity has spiked like exponentially. I've been reading some, like reading has been a massive difference in the output of my work and just like the results that I'm seeing for clients. It's just, I'm seeing a direct correlation. Um, I'm also curious to know, do you find that influencer marketing only, like when you're thinking of campaigns, are you only thinking about them digitally or do you think about them in real life offline as well? Totally. Um, hundred percent offline as well. It's funny, even in one of our recent team, um, discussions, uh, the intern on our team, Ryan had a great point where she was saying, honestly, some of the most influential influencers in my life are my friends or cust like VIP customers for a brand that might have no digital influence. And those are people that can drive exceptional conversions and word of mouth. And so when we're building influencer strategies, we're, we're thinking of the full spectrum and there's a time and a place for an influencer with 5 million followers and what that can bring to a brand. But also there's a lot of value in aligning with, you know, a large volume of nano influencers and tapping into their offline influence as well. So I think more and more, as much as we're evolving as an industry, we're kind of taking a step back in our strategies and we're thinking of the ABCs of marketing, like rather than trying to race to, you know, impressions, be too far ahead right. of it. What is the basics of marketing and how does it work? Like, how do you speak to a target consumer and how do you resonate and what's the creative message to get through? All of that is core to this world of digital marketing. If you skip over that and you just focus on optimizing and um, testing in from a performance marketing standpoint, it'll fall flat. And I see it time and time and time again. And we're seeing it now. I mean, we're, we're working on this whole conversation on how like this iOS update that like changed the securities yeah. of people's phones. And it's completely yep. rocking businesses because they're like, depending on if you can't have like an offline or like a real person, um, group of people rallying behind your brand and the iOS update messes with your brand, there's something yep. wrong. There's something fundamentally wrong there. You haven't done the actual work to be able to totally do that agree. offline connection. Um, yep. and you can't really rely on third party things anyway. So like, you know, it's just, it's something that I think about consistently. And like, I think you hit the nail on the head. Is that the saying hit the nail on the head? Um, yep. on, on talking to your team about like the ABCs of marketing. Like I literally talk to my team all the time. I'm like, how did you, like, you just bought this thing from Sephora. Like, how did you get to that point? Mm -hmm. Like, I want you to walk me backwards from how you got to that point. Really? Like exactly. who told you about it? Where did you see it? How many times did you see it? Did you get a sponsored ad about it? Did, was it your actual friend who tried it? Did you see your friend's skin change? Like what, what happened yeah. to get you to that point? Because that is right. the real influence, you know? Right. That's exactly it. And I feel you're, you're totally right with these iOS changes. Uh, I think it is a huge, huge, huge wake up call of brands that completely skipped over the brown brand foundations and the importance of an amazing communication strategy, a really thoughtful like values and missions platform um, depth, a why, why it matters. And they were able to really lean into the, the power of um, social advertising and optimization, but without a core, you know, it's just an empty skeleton. It's a flash in pan. Totally, totally. So it goes back to the very, very basics in both of our roles of, you know, how, how does the consumer, what's the consumer psyche? How do they think? And what, what are, how do we get in front of them? It's very basic. So. Yeah. So I want to go back. This is all intertwined because again, like I really feel strongly that a lot of our thoughts are not our own. 
<laughs> and a big thought that has been percolating in the ether for, I would say like probably like six, seven years now is this mm-hmm. idea of like the female founder boss, whatever. Right. Uh-oh. Like yeah. how many times had we been exposed to that? Like I definitely was influenced for sure in starting my own agency. Like I can definitely attest to that. Thank God mm-hmm. that like, there is a lot of validity and truth to me working for myself. Like I think that I would have ended up here anyway, but I think mm-hmm. that a big part of that was influenced. And so I, I, I just want to talk to the fact that like, that has been kind of like an over glamorized, um, just, yeah, it's yeah. been an over glamorized thing on Instagram, on any sort of social platform. Um, and I fallen, I fallen to that. Um, and I'm curious cause I, I, I also look to you as someone who's in the space who, I don't know if you feel the same way as I do that. Like, you know, you were seeing like a lot of your colleagues being in the, in these roles and you're like, Oh, I want to try that too. Yeah. Um, but like now that we're in it, I feel like you're one of those who have been able to be really conscious about how you are, you know, setting up your actual day to day, doing it for you. Um, and I, I would love for you to speak on that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Also you and I started our companies, I think around the same time where it yeah. was the height of, of female entrepreneurship yeah. in New York and what it meant to be a female entrepreneur. And, and of course we aspired to that. Like it was very sexy and very appealing. And, um, and there's a lot of women that I admire with good reason, you know, who have accomplished a lot in, in the space. Um, but I think the biggest learning I've had throughout this time is that along with that is the story that we need to be like superwomen and do it all. And that you need to launch and grow and market and hire and manage your finances and manage your accounting and develop new business. And I mean, running a a consultancy, it started off, you know, you and I just having a skill and and doing great work for, for people. But now it's evolved into this. I like I didn't really ever kind of picture down the road being an agency founder and what that meant, where it's no longer about being an excellent marketing strategist. Um, all of these other tasks have fallen on my plate. And a couple months ago, I kind of crumbled under that pressure of thinking, okay, sure, I did a business degree, but like, man, I'm not a pro at accounting and a financial model and growth projections. It's not my forte. And being an expert in negotiations with new business, I love it. But again, it's like, you know, not necessarily my, my bread and butter and hiring and growing a team and being an expert in HR. I, I mean, all of these elements that now are vital to grow a strong agency are on my plate. And I think my biggest realization, again, working with my business coach, um, then was it's okay to ask for help. You know, we don't have to be these female entrepreneurs that do it all. Mm -hmm. And actually there's a lot of value in surrounding yourselves with people that love doing it and um, are better than we are at it. So I think the biggest realization that in my mind, these women did it all and they were just so powerful because they managed it all. When the reality is they're the best and most successful female entrepreneurs just have a great team around them and are willing to be humble and like ask for help. So I think that was my biggest realization. And from a personal perspective, um, we've talked about this. I think there's big stories circulating in our minds of when you're starting a business of what you should do and how you should conduct business. And I think it's just so important to realize those are all stories and they don't exist. And we, we control our, our approach to running a business. And at the end of the day, if we're not happy in how we're running our business day to day, then what's the point? Why are we exactly. doing this? So something else that's within your control that I'm obsessed with that you did this, I literally like tell everyone that will listen to me is that you run this agency and you've always had this dream of also going to cooking school. And this past summer you did a cooking course in Paris while running your agency, while running on your clients and your team being on EST and you going to Ferrandi, the school in Paris, uh, how the hell did you make this happen? How long was this a dream for? And like, how did you make ends meet? And like all of it, like tell us how you made that happen. I mean, um, okay. Well, to be extremely honest with you, I credit this to my husband entirely because, uh, I, I would never have done this without him. He was like, he knew this was a passion of mine he researched the school, he registered me, he called, he like helped me set up payment. 
And he was like, okay, you're going to do this. And honestly, up until like two weeks before, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to do it. No, it's like too risky. I'm not going to do it. And he's like, you're doing it. without <laughs> like, honestly, really pushed me towards it. Hey, so, damn, Rob really wants some good meals, huh? <laughs> honestly, yeah. <laughs> He was motivated, but but he's like of the mentality. I mean, he's like nuts in the way he lives his life. It's so inspiring, but it's like go for it and live in the now and like no regrets. So A, I will definitely say it wasn't necessarily I was always dream I love to cook, especially going between um, New York and Paris for the last couple of years and learning more about French culture, French cuisine, and I absolutely am enthralled by it. Like I would meet Rob's family members and just ask them a million questions about their recipes and where they get their ingredients. And um, when we'd go out to restaurants, I would like badger the chefs with questions. So it was always a passion. Took a little bit of a nudge to actually sign up. And in honesty, it it was pretty, it was a three week intensive course, eight hours a day. Um, Was fortunate enough to lean on the time difference. So when I was done the course, it was 9 a.m. at New York time and my clients were just waking up. And so I was able to kind of balance it. In reality, could I have done it more than that period of time? Definitely not. I was waking up at like 5 a.m., you know, focusing on emails prior to the class going to the class for eight hours and then running to my office and taking all of my client calls into the late hours. It was exhausting and tiring. Uh, Not the definition of balance, but honestly, the best decision of my entire life and really proved to me. And we've talked about this. Like I, the stories in my head were that my clients would not take me seriously you know, people would lose trust that I was being deterred by our work. Um, my, my team would, I would lose trust within my team, all of these what ifs and these stories. And the fact of the matter is, you know, we gained, I think, three clients during that period. Um, we re-signed on our current clients that extended contracts during that period. Um, the team was inspired and, and I hope they'll do similar initiatives with their passions outside of work as well. I really support that. And so I think it, it just debunked all of these fears that I had and acted as a really good um indicator that we're in control of our life do what makes you happy you know don't be irresponsible about it of course I had a responsibility to my team and to my clients and I upheld that by working you know long hours but in the end uh missing out on an opportunity like that which has absolutely changed my life and um inspired me greatly would have just been foolish so um, I'm a big proponent go for it like take the risk be smart and strategic about it and and you know cover off on your bases, but go for it. So these like stories that you keep talking about, like I definitely deal with them too. And it's like, they have some validity to them. And so I actually, I'm curious to hear from your perspective, like, why do you think that like you, you got more clients and why do you think that you kept the clients that you had? Like what vibe were you putting out there that you think made that be the case? You know what it comes down to is exactly what we talked about earlier in starting dialogue at the end of the day, nothing matters more than quality work and value offering your client. So in my mind, I was thinking, okay, being in France, there's going to be issues or doing this cooking course or whatever the various stories might be. But at the end of the day, brands just want to work with talented creatives who get the work done. And um, I really realized that with this flexibility that I've formed in, in sort of the way that I work with dialogue, I'm very stringent and strict on myself with the quality of work that we provide and the quality of care to our relationships. And as long as you focus on that, in my experience, clients don't care where you are and what you're doing, especially with the, with COVID and what we've gone through those notions of like working nine to five in an office have gone out the window. Um, and so I think if that had wavered and if I had lost touch of, of the quality of our work, for sure, the castle will crumble. It's not going to work. But, um, I think if you just really focus in on the core value, you'd be surprised to realize how many people don't care about the like details of it. They just want great work and on time and done well. That's it. And a kind team. And that's it. A kind team. Exactly. Totally. So important. Why I love working with you and your team. Honestly, I say it all the time because I mean, we love working with you for that reason. 
<laughs> but it, the kindness goes such a long way because you those relationships are so important. You want to work day to day with people that you enjoy. So. Well, we obviously have to talk about Ben, your business coach, because yeah. I think that he's definitely probably a lot to do with your being able to dispel or like, you know, get these stories out of your mind. Uh, ben Easter is Julianne's business coach. I am starting my first coaching session with him today. Oh, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I'm so excited too. But I, I want to know your decision to work with him. Like, how did you meet him? How did you get there? Um, what was your intention going into it and how long are you in the road? And, you know, just what, what has that process been like? So, um, I met Ben through my good friend, Madison Utendahl. Um, she had been working with him and she's an incredible, uh, agency founder in New York who I really, really admire. Um, and she had mentioned to me a year, more than a year ago that she's been working with him, made the, the referral. Um, and I think when I first started and when I was first working with him, um, the way I describe it, I was kind of bored. I was, I'd been working for three years, um, by all intents and purposes, dialogue was successful and, um, it was, you know, profitable and all the, the check marks from a business, but I had kind of lost my spark and, um, motivation, inspiration for, for working, um, and wanting to continue to, to grow. And so I started off with him in that sense, but um, he's really changed my life and he's an immense um, presence in my life professionally. Um, and I think the big, best way to describe it is just someone who helps you um, understand your blind spots and self-reflect and learn about yourself, um, which is in my opinion, the, the greatest gift as an entrepreneur to be able to really dive into why you make certain decisions or, um, the way, you know, things are growing. And, you know, I've, I've been working with him for a year and I really do credit him for the immense growth we've seen, um, over the last year, because he's really just helped me form my mental sort of, um, approach to things to be prepared for this growth and to accept it and, um, not to be scared. So I think for new entrepreneurs who have the resources and the ability to invest in a business coach, it's invaluable, honestly. I love that you said, and to accept it. That's like a big part of something that I personally need to work on. And I actually just finished this book called The Big Leap, which talks about mm -hmm. something called the upper limit problem, which yeah. is like literally when we're at our upper limit, when we feel like we're in this, you know, area of abundance, that's new to us, we self-sabotage or like, we kind of like, you know, we don't feel comfortable in that zone yet. So we try to bring ourselves back. And so I think that that is a massive, massive key that I'm excited to work with him on is being able to accept that growth and like, just get into that new level, you know, recalibrate and continue to grow from there. Because I think that that's just something that like, everyone listening should just think about in what ways do you try to bring yourself back to the comfortable box that you're in? Um, and I'm, I'm just really excited to get that. You can totally get stuck there. It's very comfortable. It's very reliable. Um, but the real growth happens, like you don't even know what you're capable of until you get out of your, your mindset and start to, to think bigger. It, yeah. It's not, even, I didn't even think I would be here in the growth I've seen the last year without um, working with him. So it just kind of unlocks potential. So I am curious now that you've been working with him for a year and I feel like you've always had this, you know, in you, but now that you're, you know, have more clarity and are seeing the growth, like what would you say is the light or like the, the I call it the active ingredient. Like what's the fit, like the deeper, deeper core thing that excites you. And it could be work-related. It could not be work-related, but for you yourself, like what is the thing that drives you? Um, that you wake up excited every morning to do? Oh, geez. <laughs> Such a good question. Um, I think it's probably a combination of going back to what I said from the beginning. The, the moment we stop like strategizing and creating and thinking of something completely unheard of and um, outlandish and never been tried before. If we as a team 
stop doing that. I, I really think that's where my passion lies and where my active ingredient is. And it's what I'm most excited about. And I know the value that we offer and what sets us apart. So I do think it really comes from taking the time to be thoughtful and creative and unique for every client and coming up with really awesome and amazing ideas. And second to that, I really love um, teaching and, and kind of mentoring. I was, I had exceptional mentors throughout my life. And I always tell you this, that like, I would not be here without a series of mentors. Truly. It was one after the other that believed in me. And so I think I really try and give that back within my team. Um, and I think teaching is a, a really, you know, beautiful way to kind of, um, pass along your learnings throughout, um, throughout your career. And I think it, it also is a, a pretty important part of my active ingredient as well. I love it. What would you say to someone? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, but what would you say to someone listening who wants to uncover what that active ingredient is for them um, and may just feel like a little lost and not really know what steps to take to get there? Um, any advice that you'd give them? This is so funny. Get offline. <laughs> get offline. Shut off your phone. Put it on airplane mode. Go for a walk. Get out a pen and paper. Um, and just be in your thoughts. Don't don't listen or look to what everyone else is doing or what works for them or what their active ingredient is, because that's what social media can do. It can it can really you can believe that you want something because of the envy or the FOMO or whatever emotions it brings up. But I think the, the biggest step and recommendation I would say is to, to just take a moment in your own thoughts, um, find out what truly is your passion has always been your passion before long before digital marketing and online. And this is for any, you know, career, it's not just in digital marketing, but I think it, it's easy to kind of fall prey to what inspires others. And for us, you and I mentioned like wanting to be female entrepreneurs in the start, it was easy to want to emulate someone else. But um, I think we all have to do it in our own unique way. And that only comes from like listening to our thoughts and slowing down a little bit. Any books, resources, obviously Ben Easter is like number one resource, but um, anything that you want to leave our listeners with that you think would be helpful? to them or just um, like that had inspired you yeah kind of a tactical one um and I know I've like talked your ear off about this for weeks but I discovered bullet journaling and again it was another one of my husband's suggestions he's like he sent me like I you I need to get you. Rob on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dead ass inspiring man on earth no seriously he's awesome um but he he like had sent me all these like YouTubes and um, done all this research into it. And I was like, ah, whatever, I don't need another notebook. But what I discovered through this is it kind of has become a ritual of, um, I created my own template of managing my notebooks uh, and my schedules that feel good to me. It's completely personal. And every Friday it's become, or Sunday rather, it's become a ritual where I write out my to-dos, I map out my calendar, I do a little bit of like a weekly reflection where I think about what I'm looking forward to or what stressed me out the week and how I'm feeling um, about the business. And through this like Sunday ritual, I just find that I'm so much more clear in my priorities um, and more organized in my thoughts. So I would definitely recommend um, anyone who's feeling overwhelmed has 15 different notebooks and uh, a million things, you know, in their mind to, to try the bullet journal. Cause it's really helped me focus. Amazing. Well, you, you have to send me like, if there's like a link or something that can like give someone like a beginner guide to bullet journaling, I'll put it in the show notes. Sure. I love it. Definitely. And Amazing. there's tons on like, uh, designing a beautifully aesthetic bullet journal. I cannot speak to that. I do not have the <laughs> drawing abilities whatsoever, but, um, I, it's all your own, like whatever you want to do. So yeah, I'll, I'll find a link. I'll send it to you. Amazing. Where can everyone find dialogue or are you currently taking on new clients? Uh, we, yeah, we, we do have a little bit of a, a wait, but certainly always excited to chat with, um, 
with uh, new business owners and um, and opportunities. So um, we can be found at Dialogue NYC on Instagram, um, our website dialoguenyc.com, or we'd love to connect with you personally. Uh, my Instagram is Julianne Fraser. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. This I'm so happy so- we finally made this happen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.